Hi folks and welcome back to NTI's Japan Real Estate Property Investment Podcast. I'm your host, Ziv Nakajima again. Great to have you back with us today and thank you for your patience in the last few weeks. Episodes have been less regular and far between due to my trip to Australia, which was great by the way, thank you for asking. As you might have gathered from our previous episode, it was mainly about seminars, speaking engagements and business meetings, but we definitely managed to squeeze some much needed rest and relaxation time in there as well, as the extra five kilos or so in extra gut that I'm now packing can definitely testify to. There's another business trip coming up in a couple of weeks' time, this time to Thailand, so new episodes will probably still be a bit infrequent, but we should be back to the usual weekly format around the end of September. So again, thank you for your patience. Speaking of Thailand, and I hope you'll forgive me for using this platform for blatant self-promotion, just wanted to give you a quick heads up on a pet project of mine that's going to be hopefully kicked off next year. Now, this has nothing to do with NTI. It's purely a personal thing. A few friends and fellow investors got into our heads that we want to purchase a tropical island resort that we came across in beautiful Kopangan, one of Thailand's amazing island getaway spots. If you'd like to be a part of this project, which comes not only with a share of the profits, but also with other perks, like a week or two of free accommodation every year, do feel free to drop me a line, either in the comments sections or via email on tendo at nippontradings.com. That's T-E-N-D-O, Tendo, which means something like heaven or enlightenment in Japanese, at Nippon, N-I-P-P-O-N, tradings with an S, all one word, and I'll follow uh, through with the full information package, which will be forwarded to you. So that's Tendo at NipponTradings.com. As mentioned, we'll be visiting the island and the potential resort in a couple of weeks' time, between September 5th and 15th. So if you'd like to come and join us, do feel free. Looking forward to seeing you there. Okay, now back to Japan. If you'll recall from one of our previous episodes back in early July, we were talking about um, solar energy, renewable energy industry here in Japan, and how these tie up into real estate projects, such as investing in landed or floating solar farms, rooftop panel installations, and new solar-enabled constructions of new structures. Well, today we're going to expand our net a bit more and dig into one of the main reasons for the shift towards renewable energy, which is, of course, climate change. Arguably, even those among us who have vested interests to the contrary will quietly admit to ourselves that climate change, or more specifically global warming, is most likely the biggest issue affecting all of us in coming years, and most importantly, will be affecting the lives of our children and their children, and in the vast majority of cases, unfortunately, for the worse. Asia is one of the places where these effects are predicted to hit the hardest, according to scientists, and they predict an increase of about 50% in rainfall over the next decade or two. And since these rainfalls will be less frequent and far more intense than they currently are, the results aren't going to help agricultural production and vegetation at all. They're actually more likely to have the opposite effect of destroying crops and structures by flooding. Throw rising temperatures, typhoons, and cyclones into the mix, which are already becoming more frequent and volatile, and you've got a recipe for disaster. Now, Japan, with its 30,000 or so kilometers of coastline, is essentially a large group of islands, 
and is extremely likely to be very seriously affected by the three degrees Celsius estimated rise in temperatures, which is forecast this century. The Sea of Japan area is actually forecasted to rise three to seven degrees in that same period of time. Agriculturally, Japan, like most countries in Asia, relies on rice as its most basic staple food for all ages. And rice production specifically is due to suffer a serious blow this century, expected to drop by 50%, with production costs doubling. Coral reef systems as well are expected to collapse, which spells disaster for marine ecosystems and seafood supply. And that will harm not only the country's domestic consumption, but also its export economics. Scarcity of water, which is needed to cool thermal power plants and to power hydro installations, will lead to further reductions in energy production and more reliance on fossil fuels, which of course will expedite climate change even more. And as history tells us, limited power sources and supplies tend to lead to conflict and eventually to war. The latest comprehensive study of rising sea levels in Japan, which was conducted in 2013, has determined that a rise of 60 centimeters in sea levels, combined with a typhoon stronger than the average by even 10%, would create waves that are three times higher and larger than those experienced here so far, which means that existing concrete sea dike blockages will most likely be breached. Furthermore, groundwater in coastal areas, which also rises with sea levels, can cause soil to become saturated. And once an earthquake hits, as it does on a regular basis here in Japan, this makes land very vulnerable to liquefaction and causes a far higher risk of structure collapse in those coastal areas. Tokyo, Osaka, and Ise Bays represent the highest risk, according to the study. Osaka specifically is one of the world's 10 most vulnerable cities to rising sea levels, and this is where these damages can be most devastating. Economists project that the city could suffer nearly 1 trillion US dollars in asset loss and damages due to coastal flooding in the next 50 years, which is more than four times its current economic risk from these events. Nagoya, which is also one of the most vulnerable cities, is also one of the least prepared. And they've already seen one of the largest growth of annual flood financial losses globally. So what do the Japanese make of all this information? Are they aware of it? Is any action being taken? Well, the millions of them living in and around coastal areas are very aware of this problem, as historically tsunamis have already caused havoc on several occasions, with the latest disaster in 2011 costing almost 20,000 lives and more than 309 or 310 billion US dollars in national financial and asset damages. Due to this reason, many Japanese are increasingly choosing to live away from coastal areas, or at least in the upper floors of buildings, when they do have a choice. As for national initiatives and solution, the general mindset here seems to have come to terms with the fact that the current pace and effects of climate change can't really be avoided or slowed anymore. So efforts now are focused on preparation and minimization of potential damages. The main areas which require some serious spending for this purpose are prediction and monitoring systems, upgrades to existing port facilities, the remodeling of coastal structures, and construction of anti-tsunami barriers. Back in 1993, these costs were estimated at just over 110 billion US dollars. 
Now, 25 years later, as the effects have become more and more pronounced, the cost of this protection has grown as well. The national government has already allocated about $1 billion annually for the purpose of these upgrades and protections. But since about 40% of the country um, country's protections are outdated and deteriorated, there is much, much more work that needs to be done, especially in places like Nagoya, where the work done so far has barely even scratched the surface. So pretty grim picture, unfortunately, on par with many other countries in the world. Here's hoping someone in government wakes up and smells the sea salt sooner rather than later, and hopefully before another major disaster hits. That's it from us today, folks. Um, hope you've enjoyed this episode in spite of the uh, rather dark and pessimistic atmosphere. Best to be prepared, though, and not stick our heads in the sand on this topic. Please do share this content with your networks if you think they may find it interesting. And as always, we welcome your comments, questions, and discussion on whichever platform you may have found us. Drop us a line if you'd like to have a chat about the contents of this podcast, this episode, or the Thai resort project that I've mentioned at the start. And lastly, we'd really, really appreciate it if you could rate this podcast on the iTunes Store, the Google Play Store, or wherever you may have found it. Hope to have you with us next time. And until then, as usual, from all of us here at NTI, we wish you a fantastic weekend and happy investing.